how many of you that was like a stretch than what you're used to? Okay, because here's why. Because we're used to bottling it up and keeping it in. And so when we step out in that place, that's where you find out who you really are. That's where the rubber hits the road. And guess what? I would encourage you to do this as exercises. Just do this, man. I mean, before school starts and stuff, when you guys are here, just say, hey, listen, I want to try that again. I want to try that again because practice makes perfect. I remember the first time Bob Hazlett is a guy that we do the Power and Love conferences with. He like, he came and he, he was sharing about prophecy. He was sharing about prophecy and I, I didn't like, I didn't understand all that. I'd been doing it in bits and pieces, but not really understood like totally. And uh, he said, you know, go do that. Put your hand on your shoulder exercise. And I remember like the first time I did that, I think it was, well, I don't remember where it was. It was in one of them places. Because we go everywhere that it was one of the places that we went. And uh, I stood in front of this man. Actually, I think it was, I think it was Westchester. The last time, not this time, but the last time we were there. Like a year and a half ago. And uh, yeah, a year ago. And I, and I put my hand, or the guy put his hand on me. And the first thing I saw, actually I went up there. And I saw a fruit basket with fruit in it. <clears throat> before he put his hand on my shoulder was so weird. So I had a preconceived idea of what I was going to share, even though he said, wait till they put their hand on your shoulder to get the picture. And I thought like, well, I already have an idea. I'm just going to go with this. But that's not what he said. So it was like, I'm all ready to prophesy about fruit. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. And immediately when he put his hand on my shoulder, bang, the picture changed immediately. And I saw somebody in a jet doing, doing barrel rolls. And it just like freaked me out. Because I never, because I'm not a picture person. But like, I was going up there to do exercise, and before he put his hand on my shoulder, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, 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 fruit, fruit, fruit. And as soon as he touched me, it went and switched immediately. And I was like, that's crazy. Man, I, I wanted to share about fruit. But like, for some reason, I see. Uh, a pilot and I see you doing barrel rolls and you're going up really high and then all of a sudden you're looping around and going upside down and coming back around and it was crazy I didn't even like I was like this is nuts like I actually see a a handle with three buttons on it in in the jet and I'm like I don't even know what this is man but it's awesome and uh they go open your eyes and I just shared about that for like for like three minutes I think the exercise was not a minute and a half but three minutes and I was like Wow, that was totally cool. And he looks at me and he goes, he goes, I work for NASA. I'm actually a pilot. I come from a whole line of pilots and that's what I do. And it freaked me out. Like God sucker punched me. You think you got it planned out? Well, check this out. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And that day I went out to the mall and because we went out for the outreach and we're taking people on outreach and I, I'm standing in front of just, we talk to people. I talk to people all the time and I'm standing in front of a kiosk and there's a guy that's, I think he's like, there's these fragrant pillows you can, they, where, they, where they heat them up and it smells like eucalyptus or whatever. And, and uh, I saw this kid and I said, hey man, how you doing? And he's like, good. And I'm, I'm walking with some people that have never really stepped out. And I'm, pretty bold at approaching people because I know that God loves me. And boldness comes from that place right there. 
Boldness comes from not being ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation for those, you know, it, it, it actually says that those that believe, right? But you can believe enough that Jesus is real and that Jesus wants to flow through you but not be bold because you haven't received the love of God. So I, I'm understanding that, and I'm, I'm like, hey, man, I said, I, I see you're working here. I said, but you going to school? He said, yeah, I'm going to school. I said, man, it's so weird, but when I walked up to you, I got a picture. I got a picture of you standing or sitting behind glass, and I said, and you're at a, a, a soundboard, and you're mixing levels, and you're actually recording music. I said, I just saw the glass real quick, just a real quick picture Right, and I'm closing my eyes and I'm sharing this with him because I can picture it easier. Because I, because it's hard for me to picture when my eyes open sometimes. I don't know, but it was at then, and it's getting better now. But it's kind of neat because he goes, he goes, you know what, man? He goes, this is totally whacked. I think he said, I think he started cussing a little bit because it freaked him out. And he said, but I'm in school to be, uh, to get my engineering degree in recording. That's what I'm going to school for. I'm gonna be. A, I'm gonna be a recording. That's what I'm gonna do. I want to have my own studio. And he was an atheist man. He did not believe anything. So what happens is when you step into this place, it unlocks their heart. Because you can have somebody that's completely hard in front of you and completely angry in front of you, and then all of a sudden, you start to share who they really are. And there's no way they can get out of that. I have watched the lives of thousands of people get completely bomb blasted with this thing right here. Just in a year. This is amazing, guys. It's, it's all about healing, right? I mean, we, it's all about healing. <clears throat> but prophecy is healing the heart, too. Prophesying over somebody is bringing them back to, wait a minute, there's a God that really loves me. He actually knows about me. I mean, how can you know that, man? What are you? And what you'll hear is, what are you, psychic? Because <clears throat> I hear that all the time. Like, I'll hear that on planes. I'll hear that I'll be on a plane. I was just on a plane just a couple weeks ago, and we were coming back from Switzerland. So we have, like, long trip, dude. You know, and and the the airline attendants are on there, and I walked in the back and just to use the bathroom, <clears throat> and it's a big plane, so there's like a bunch of airline attendants on the plane, and I tried to focus on them because they're servants and they're all, they're hurting. A lot of them are, and they're constantly. So I shared with her what I what I saw about her heart, <clears throat> the one lady, and she's got two other ladies around her, and she's like, "What are you, psychic?" That's the first response because the church has kind of dropped the ball on this thing. I mean, it's coming back, but a lot of times people are going to look at you and say, what are you, a psychic? Like they'll put you in the other and don't be offended by that. Don't be weirded out by that and don't say, no, I'm not a psychic. You'll ruin a testimony in a heartbeat. So you want to be really careful with that one because they're going to say that. They're going to say, what are you, psychic? You know, you're going to actually have people, when you start to do this more, they're going to come up to you and they're going to say, do you have a word about me? Or somebody in public that has heard about you will come up to you because they've come up to me at Walmart, an employee, and, and said, can you tell me my future? Because you're a fortune teller in their eyes. Yeah. 
<clears throat> but just because they think you're a fortune teller doesn't mean that you are. I believe that fortune tellers, I believe that psychics are misplaced prophets. I believe that they're prophetic. They've received a gift and calling from God. The gifts and callings from God are without repentance. Okay? I believe that a lot of times they're squeezed outside of the church because they're not comfortable with that thing moving. They think it's from the devil. And because a pastor hasn't moved in that, they have to quench somebody else because that is a very big challenge and they might just have been taught that it is of the devil. But a lot of times because of we say the Jezebel spirit and this and that, but a lot of times to keep our place in ministry, we have to quench other people to make us feel better and to look better, right? And I'm not beating up pastors, but I'm telling you that we have to be in a place where we have to know who we are. They're gonna come to you. They're gonna, they're gonna say, hey, what is going on with your life? What's the deal? And you always point it to Jesus, right? We know that. Wait. Um, I was wondering if you had a comment on, for those of us who... Are used to we're, think, we're used to thinking creative and that sort of thing. Sometimes we're not sure. We'll, we'll, we can jump. It seems like we jumpstart this thing or okay with it with thinking creatively, and, and and all of a sudden we're in some kind of flow. Okay, but what would you say to those of us who are not used to thinking creatively? Um, my mind is just dead. I'm brain dead. It seems it's like so now I'm gonna. You know, how do I, for those of us who don't think creatively and, and like, okay, prophesy. I just got a huge cranial air bubble. You know, I got nothing. You know, so I mean, what, what can be used? Well, what, what, what is prophecy? Let's start with that. What is prophecy? Um, speaking speaking to, uh, to the Lord, speak, what the Lord's thoughts for someone are, or? Okay. All right. All prophecy is used for edification and encouragement. So in the the old prophecy, you prophesied, if you did it wrong, you died. In the Old Testament. In the New Testament, everybody gets to prophesy. Okay. If you don't have a word that tells about their future, do you care about the person in front of you? Okay. Can Can you give them an encouraging word? If I'm creative, I can no. make something up. You know, if I'm not, I'm lost. If now watch, now watch. If if I were to tell you, I, I think you did pretty well today. Oh, I'm not having a problem with it. I'm just trying to. Think. No, no, no. Okay, okay. Who here's having a problem with it? I had a little bit of a, a little bit of a block. It felt like okay, a little bit of a block. And and what do you feel the block is? Because we're going to root out block today. We're going we're gonna to crush block today because the only, the, the lack of being able to encourage is the lack of knowing the love of God. And it's the depth of the love of God that will enable you to become love. Okay, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get some stuff. We're going to rock and roll with some stuff today. But, uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pound this thing, which will open it up bigger for you. All right. Not just teach on prophecy, but share where it even comes from. Let's do it again. We're gonna, but we're gonna, but we're not gonna do it till we're done. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna do it again. But it's gonna, what it's gonna do is it's gonna, it's just gonna unlock you. It'll unlock, it'll unleash the beast from within, the Holy Ghost beast that's in you. 
That's okay. Were you offended? Jesus. Okay. Okay. So cool. So so you missed it. Yeah. All right. Do you, do you, do you love him? Yeah. Okay. Love never fails, so you can't miss it. Okay. Here's here's the deal. What what are what are attributes about a woman that makes a woman a woman that would be Christ-like? Tenderness. Oh, beautiful. Okay. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> You have to you have to think like this, guys, because you're what what this is making you. Listen, what this is making you is quick on your feet. Okay, and the more you practice, the quicker you get on your feet. The less you practice, the more you keep it inside like a lake. The more you practice, the the more you're quick. You're just quicker on your feet, and all of a sudden you're like, bang, bang, bang. And the more you use it, the more it grows. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit multiplies as you use. It's kind of like the bread, the five loaves. The more you give it away, the more it multiplies. You have to get this. See, Jesus didn't multiply the loaves. Jesus handed the loaves to his disciples and it multiplied in their hands. Are you hearing me? He gave thanks to God and then gave the loaves to his disciples. The loaves multiplied in the disciples' hands as they gave it away. And then they were in the boat and they thought, what? We don't have any bread. He said, beware of the leaven. And And they thought to themselves, we don't have any bread. And they just came from two different miracles of the multiplication of the loaf in which it happened in their hands. Are you with me? And they missed it. How many loaves did we start with, Jesus said? Suppose I was talking about bread. How many loaves did we start with? Five. Five. What about the other one? How many loaves did we start with? How many loaves did we end up with? How many baskets did we end up with when we left? So focusing on what you don't have and out of lack doesn't help you. But seeing what God did and remembering the testimony is imperative in your life. See, the last time you prophesy and get it right, if you're, if you're, if you're in front of somebody and you're prophesying, you can think back to the last time that you got it right and it actually is a key in your life to actually reach back in that God gave you for a room. All you have to do is use the key, go back in and it's yours again. If you pray for somebody and someone's shoulder heal, shoulders healed and you're in front of somebody and their shoulder's hurting, you have a key in your arsenal to see that shoulder healed because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Meaning, did Jesus do it through you or did you do it? Okay, so if it happened once, it happened again. It'll happen again. We've got to set up those places in our life because they're like memory stones like the children of Israel would set up. They set up memory stones. They set up these stones and every time they passed it, they'd remind their kids of what happened there. It says, think upon, meditate, think upon the testimonies all the time. Don't forget the testimonies. Don't forget this stuff. 
Come on, in Psalm 78, it says that, it says that the children of Ephraim, they actually turned back in battle. Why? Because they forgot the marvelous works of the Lord. So because they got their eyes off of what God had done, they forgot and they looked at their enemy and their enemy was bigger. Do you understand? So if we keep our eyes fixed on the thing in front of us and forget what God's been doing through us, you will build an arsenal this way. And you'll always have a reservoir of God-like stuff that's happening through your life that you can reach back in. I'm telling you this for future benefit. Okay? As far as, as far as not knowing what to say to somebody when you're in front of them. Prophecy is used for edification and encouragement. No prophecy is supposed to come out of your mouth but edifying, encouraging, and building up the person in front of you. That's New Testament prophecy. That's the Pauline covenant, or so to speak. Pauline prophecy. Prophecy from this end is to build up. Paul said, look, I desire that you all prophesy. So all of us have prophecy in us. And all it is is building up the person in front of you, pointing out the good things in person in front of you, not tearing them down, but building them up. So even if it's just, I just want to tell, listen, if I tell somebody that God thinks that they're absolutely amazing, you're 100% dead on every time. If I tell somebody that, look, I just want to tell you that God thinks you're wonderful. He thinks you're amazing. You're absolutely incredible. Why? That's what it'll happen. It'll open up a door. Well, or, or what I hear, like, let's say I'm going through, because I wanted to use practical application and then I'm going to, I'm going to talk about righteousness. I'm going to talk about some right standing stuff with God that will take out stumbling blocks that the enemy has put in here because we think we have to have it all figured out with our mind before we can speak from our heart. When really, when our mind gets renewed and this thing gets cleared out, what happens is we start to speak out of our heart anyway because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Are you with me? Yes? Am I confusing you? Are you okay? Well, this is why we're here. We're here to become love. That's the, that's the reason why you're in here. We're going to pound that and pound that and pound that and pound that and pound that. Become love. But unless you receive the love of God, it's hard to become love. Because you think you're unlovable. Which is weird. I would be the most unlovable person in here if that was a fact. Satan is the only unlovable one and you're not his. Go ahead. Is prophecy that we, we see the future or that we're calling forth the future? Well... Prophecy is calling into today what could have been reserved for another day by the hunger of your heart. And prophecy is actually maybe you might see something that has hap- that's going to happen, but be very careful about that one because I've seen people get that twisted and say, I see a car crash and, and you're going to make it, but other people aren't. And just that's whacked. Get that out of you. Okay? You don't need to. You can actually prophesy and change the reality of their life. So you can pull into today what was reserved for another, but prophecy is, is, is speaking into someone's life something that's not as though it is. 
<clears throat> so you can actually see something for them only if it comes. Make this your grounds for prophecy. Make sure that the grounds for prophecy are set up on this foundation. Edification, encouragement, or building people up. So prophecy, I've seen it a dangerous, dangerous thing where prophecy is tearing toward people down. Like we've done this exercise in, in power and loves that, that I've been a part of, sorry, been a part of, and I've had someone come up to me crying and say, yeah, that man of God just told me that there's a bad moon rising in my life. And <laughs> well, it's weird because the devil can speak too. But we don't partner with him. Jesus said, my sheep hear and obey my voice and as strangers they will not follow. So as strangers, they're not going to follow. So if you're not getting edification, encouragement and building people up, you want to be very careful about the stranger's voice. So if you let that be your guidelines, you're, you're, you're always going to... Listen, even if you miss it and you tell somebody that they're... That you can't miss it. But, but people are like, well, I didn't get it right on. Listen, if, did you encourage somebody? Did you build somebody up? Did you bring them closer to the Father? That's awesome. That's totally, totally great. You did a great job. So you can't look at yourself and say, oh, I don't want to miss it. If you're a perfectionist, the hardest place I see for this... And or for people to get to is past is past their perfectionism. If you're not willing to fail for God, you cannot get this thing on with God. If you're not willing to be made a fool and look like a fool, you can't get this thing on. I asked my daughter. Uh, you can ask her how many how many times has have we been in situations. To where the people, like my daughter, can listen and hear the people saying mean things about her dad. And then you ask her how many times that moved her dad. Let me give you an example. Are you, are you all right? Are we okay? This is important because you're, you're a prophesying machine. You really are. God created you for this. He created you. He wants to flow through you. Man, you're to be a conduit. Not just for miracles and healing. That's part of it. Sonship is going to be established inside of this class that we're in. Because that that's our focus, man. It's to establish sonship. It's to establish the love of God in your life that's so profuse that like it doesn't matter who's against you because God's for you. Who really cares who's against you? Because God's for you. If he's greater and he's in you, what does it matter what people think or what people say? There's no place. Remember when I said there's no place for carnal Christianity? I'm just going to say it and I need you to receive this with an open heart. I believe the level of timidity in the body of Christ is in equal proportion to the level of carnality in a person's life. But carnality, the level of timidity or being timid and shy is in equal proportion. I'm not telling you you're not a Christian, but I'm telling you when carnality is, is cut out of you, the level of timidity in someone's life is in equal proportion to the level of carnality in someone's life. That's not a cut on you or a devastating blow to you. That's showing you what needs to move. Because if we have in mind 
the things of God, the, the mind of the things of man is cut out because to say I'm only human is to say I'm only demonic. We already went over that, right? Did we not? Did I not go over that at all with you guys the other day when I was here talking about the carnal mind? Okay, we'll go over it. Go ahead. <laughs> so, of course, the carnality of worldliness and right. Christian is right. in direct opposition to authority. Well, absolutely, but the authority of the king in you, which is the, which is the God of love. Okay. I thought I hit that. Let's go to Matthew 16. You guys all right? Please understand that anything that I share is not to tear you down. It, I wouldn't bring something up unless we're going to rip it out. So I'm not here to like, I'm not here to say, you carnal Christian, how dare you? I'm here to tell you that the carnal mind is at war against God. And the only place, see, our mind has been cultivated by the enemy, man. So the only, the only stumbling block, the only, the only problem is between our ears. Look, when Jesus went into the River Jordan and got baptized, when he came out of the River Jordan, what happened to the heavens? Okay, they never closed again. The heavens never closed again. So you don't have to pray for an open heaven. You need to be an open heaven. We don't perish for a lack of open heaven. We perish for a lack of knowledge and knowledge not hearing it but hearing it and doing it and experiencing the truth. You don't know the truth and the truth set you free by memorizing scripture. You know the truth by walking out the truth and that's what sets you free. Go ahead, Consuela. I just want to know what the heavens. I keep hearing heavens. I don't, I've never studied it out to know there's different levels of heavens. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole nother subject. But um, I would tell you that, that the way that I've understood it is that on the earth is the first heaven. I would tell you that the principalities, that principalities, they can't go past the second heaven, which would be the air. And then above where God is would be the third heaven. And the only reason that I would understand that is because Paul said that he went to the third heaven. And that's the, that's the revelation of that. The third heaven. Okay, so third, second, and first. And I would tell you that the earth would be the first heaven. So space would be the second heaven. I thought, so, yeah. As far as the as far as the air, this is all this is all I know. Okay, I would tell you that as far as we can see, as far as we can see, and I, I'm not. I, I don't even go into outer space. They're saying it out because we don't want to think too much on this because your brain tries to get engaged and we try to figure it all out. And then once you go, once I, once we go on a trip of trying to figure all the space out, if I tell you that the universe is expanding at 186,000 miles per second in every direction right now, there's no way for you to grab that with your mind. So I'll, I'll have you thinking away from where I need to teach you right now and what I need to share and you'll be off in space somewhere Instead of focused on what? And, I, and that's a good question, Consuela. But, it, but, but if I answer that right now, I'm going to go way off on a rabbit trail that I won't, be able to, I won't be able to focus on this. Are you okay with that? 
You guys all right? No, it's cool. Look, it that gives us access to the demonic realm, and I guess then we have some, obviously we have authority to do that. Right. No, it's cool. When, when Jesus said, set your mind on things above, when Jesus said that you're seated with him in heavenly places, right? That you're, that you're dead and actually your life, you're hidden in him and in, in him. When it says that we're seated with him in heavenly places. If, if we think about being seated with Jesus, where's Jesus? Seated at the right hand. And Jesus said, set your mind on things above and not on things beneath, right? So our mind is supposed to be in the throne room. And our feet are supposed to be here, but the highest part of hell is beneath the lowest part of us because we're the body. And it's, it's, it's a whole lot to try to figure out. But this, I'm a scripture guy, but I'm a, I'm a live from this point. Like when we pray for heaven, like when we pray for God's will, for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done on earth, the same as it is in heaven, you have to picture heaven where God would be in the third heaven where God would be. Is there any sickness? Is there any disease? Is there any discouragement? No. So we're going to usher in that, but we have to have our mind on things above to pray from heaven towards earth. So prophetic stuff comes from that place right there. What does God think about that person in front of you? So we're going so to pray from there. When Jesus was in John 3.13, when, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and he said, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who has descended, that is me, the son of man, who is in heaven. So Jesus is saying, no one's gone up, but he that's come down, that's me and I'm in heaven right now. And he's walking and talking to Nicodemus. So he's right in front of him. Yet he's saying, I'm here. So he's giving us an understanding of where we're going to pray from, where we're going to live from. So having our mind on things above and not on things beneath, we need to, to have our mind be so heavenly minded that we're earthly amazing. So we're thinking from that perspective towards this one. Yes? But there are things that keep you from approaching the throne of grace in time of need. And there, there is never a time when you don't need him. You constantly need him. So you can live in the throne room if stuff is completely rooted out so that you don't have anything that stands between you and him. Does that make sense? Because we can't have anything where God's... We, this enables you to walk with a pure heart because those that walk with a pure heart will see God, right? Right? But you need to constantly see God everywhere you go all the time. To repent means to relook at things from heaven's perspective. Repent. Relook at things from the penthouse or the top floor. So you're reevaluating a situation from the penthouse or from the top floor. Repent for the kingdom's at hand. Repent means relook at things from heaven's perspective. Jesus brought his world with him. It was in the kingdom. The kingdom's not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And if I say the kingdom's not here or there, the kingdom is within you. That's the word of God. So the kingdom is within you, meaning you're going to relook at things from heaven's perspective, realize that you have the kingdom of God in, upon, and around you. It's within your reach, but you've got to change the way you think so that you don't think what you see in the natural is superior to the world that Jesus brought with him. Are you with me? That's a whole lot. All right. 
Okay. So prophecy is used for edification and encouragement, providing grace to those that hear you. I talked about, I talked about, like Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt word come out of your mouth, but only that which is used for edification and encouragement. Right? Along the lines of the prophetic, along the lines of your whole life. Criticism, complaining, and gossip is the language of hell. Don't do it. You're partnering with the devil. And that's not okay. If it just just don't. It it it'll mess up everything. Because then all of a sudden you've partnered with the wrong God. And you don't want to do that. Gossip, complaining, <laughs> criticizing. It's the devil. Be very careful. That's his language. Yes, you should write that down. Gossip, criticism, complaining. Language of hell equals language of hell. Edification, encouragement, being a steward of grace, language of heaven. Yes? Okay. I took you to Matthew 16, right? Yes. Oh, wow, this is kind of cool. Oh, I have a whole lot. Jesus. Matthew 16. Wow, I didn't even realize this because I wanted to go somewhere else. But since this is in here, I'll just cap it here real quick. In Matthew 16, 5, it's saying, Now when the disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we have no bread. And Jesus, being aware of it, noticed that they, they reasoned to themselves. Being, Jesus was aware of what they were reasoning. They were thinking their minds were thinking naturally instead of what Jesus said. Leaven of the Pharisees doesn't even say, be, be careful of the bread of the Pharisees. Be careful of the bread of the Sadducees. They're not even talking about that. But Jesus is like, okay, like say I was talking about bread. He says, oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000, how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000, how many large baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? But to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And I think it's in Mark 8. Keep your finger in Matthew 16 because we're going to go back there. Mark 8. And then verse 13, it says, And he left them, getting it. This is talking about the testimony, remembering the testimony. Remember what God did to you so you can reach back and grab from that arsenal. It's the same thing I just, I kind of started with, so I'm just sealing that up, okay? And it says, And he left them, in verse 13, and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Keep in mind that they'd already multiplied the bread twice. 
And he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it's because we have no bread. Jesus being aware of it said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, don't you see? Having ears, don't you hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said 12. And when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets, or how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said seven. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? Miracles are personal experiences that require you to see different. Prophecy is a personal experience that requires you to see different about somebody. Each time you prophesy, each time you pray for the sick, each time a miracle flows through your hands, each time a healing flows through your hands, you're responsible to make sure that you take that in so that you can remember that. You can remember what you saw, remember what you heard, and at least remember. He said, having eyes, don't you see? Having ears, don't you hear? Come on, guys. Can't you remember what you saw? Don't you remember what you heard? So next time you're in a situation, if you miss it, you've got to think upon the last time that you got it. There's power. This is powerful. And actually, it will, like, it will strengthen you like crazy. I've been in situations where I've prayed for people and been in a situation where I've, I've prayed for four people in a row, right, on the same day and not seen any breakthrough. And what will happen is that will try to reach in and discourage you. Or you can think about the one before that that did happen. And what God's brought me to a place of I never allow the last person to continue on to the next person. The person that's in front of you is brand new. They have no idea of what happened last time. So if it doesn't add to me, what I do is I don't bring that into my thought process because it's not going to add or build me up or encourage me in the next person that I pray for. But Jesus was correcting the disciples because the miracle happened through their hands. Don't you remember what you saw? Look, having eyes don't see, having ears don't hear. So eyes, ears, remember. Three different keys that you can use in when you step into your next encounter. Go ahead. Just because you don't see something happen doesn't mean it happen. Oh, absolutely. And when you pray for someone, you're saying you're the absolutely. Absolutely. That's it. And that's and, and, and that's that's the focus of this whole thing. Is you're here to become love. You're here to love people. It's not just about the miracles and the prophecy. I'm just giving you tools that are inside that you're gonna be able to reach back into and say, Oh, yes. And it's gonna be in your arsenal. Okay, I'm giving you tools to equip you. I'm, I'm putting tools in your tool belt so that you have stuff that you can reach into. Okay? You with me? Yeah. All right. You can't fail if you're walking in love because love never fails. All right, so you, you never really miss it, but the way that seems right to a man thinks that we missed it because we're, I'm talking, I'm pretty much speaking to uh perfectionism because it's the way of the world you've got to be perfect you've got to do things you got to look out for number one we've been cultivated by the enemy of God so we need to crush that stuff amen alright you guys okay is this too much or are you alright did you explain to me what you were saying 
explain No, I didn't even go into it. Okay. Do you not understand it? Yeah, I don't want to, you know, it'll be too much. It'll be too much because you can, yeah. Uh, the, leaven, the, leaven, the leaven of Herod is a political spirit. The leaven of the Pharisees is a religious spirit. So be careful of that leaven. So he's saying beware of the leaven of a political spirit that wants you. Political spirit is making other people look bad to make you look good. So a, a religious a religious spirit is is actually sometimes making you look bad, making you look good to make other people look bad, but quoting it and knowing it without a power there within. In other words, he talked to the Pharisees, and actually, a religious spirit could also be um, a, a spirit of, of just. I hate to say a spirit of this and a spirit of that, because then we categorize this and make this a. The leaven is like the thing that fuels hypocrisy, like in a fer, in a Pharisaical leaven. Where you're outside, like when you look at the Pharisees and you look at how Jesus addressed them, he said, you strain a gnat to swallow a camel. You know, outside you're all beautiful and clean, but inside you're full of nastiness. You're like tombs that you walk over. You know, Jesus, Jesus spoke it out and said what it was. Jesus called Herod a fox. I don't want to spend time on that one. I, I, I need to get to this because I have a short time with you. <laughs> are you guys okay why don't you do the bathroom break and, and give me 15 minutes we'll come back sorry I, I just looked up and before I hit this thing let's just do that so give me come back here at quarter of yeah praise God because Brian actually feels different things in his feet come on man I don't know if you guys know it or not, but when Brian first came in, they came into a healing service because somebody like, I think it was, wasn't it John Pepson? Yeah, John Pepson. Yeah, he came in in a wheelchair. And they said, you're never going to walk again. So like, He's like not in a wheelchair. But we're shooting for the... Don't be totally serious. I believe you. these things in my shoes... Because like, I don't have any control of my ankle. And I'm starting to get maybe a little bit at home. But like, I can get on my tippy tail right now, and I can never do that. Come on, man. Come on! It's how it's supposed to be. We need to get to a place where we're really, really freaked out if it doesn't happen. Not like it's just common when it doesn't, but that it's like, what are you, you kidding? And in a lot of things, I'm seeing that. But there are some things, like we need to be at that place with wheelchairs to where you see a quadriplegic. What do you mean you're not getting up? Come on. Serious. It all comes from changing the way we think and growing in Him. The love of God is profuse. I want to read this. I went out to, you okay with testimony stuff? Okay. Heck has nothing to do with it. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just kidding. Well, no, I'm not, but that's... Okay, so I went out to... When I went out to Reading um, a couple months ago, I went out there, and when I went there, I went to rent a car because we, we had to get a car, and I already had it, like, pre-done or whatever, and in the Reading airport, and went up to 
the budget rental car place because budget's pretty much the best deals that you can get out there. And there was a guy named Joey Colombo that worked there. And I walked up to the counter and he said, hey, man, how you doing? I said, good. He said, uh, I just I'm telling you the power of seed. Okay, kind of a continuation because it's constantly I'm constantly getting these from touches from then and seeing the progressive nature of the seed of God and how it's I believe it's impossible for people to get out of it. I mean, I I have a faith in this place and a faith in the area of seed. That's why I shared about it. And it's an it's an ever going process of you planting a seed or watering a seed in someone's life and watching that thing just go. And I have just arsenal of testimonies of seed so i have a faith in that area to establish that so it's just a testimony in that place so i said to joey that day how you doing man he said good and and then there was a guy standing there at the counter that was getting a a card to and i shared with him and i said man i said you've got something going on with your back and you know i'm in the reading airport so people probably get touched in that airport it's right by bethel so it's their airport right reading california at bethel church and so this guy stand there. He goes, yeah, dude. He goes, uh, yeah. And he told me, you know, what it was. And I said, man. I said, dude, I said, you got to let me pray for you. And he goes, man, look, I don't believe in that. I said, I, I, I don't care what you believe in, man. I'm not, I, I'm not asking you to believe my way. I, I'm not. I said, I told you about it. Y'all let me pray for you. Because you didn't tell me I told you. And he's like, well, it was a lucky guess. I said, well, let's see just how lucky it was. I said, come on, man. So then we prayed for him and God healed him. And he got all red and freaked out and. Joey was like, that was amazing, man. And I said, thanks. He goes, no, you don't understand. He and I were Chippendales. They were Chippendale dancers back in the day, back in the 80s and 90s. So like that guy and Joey were dancers together, like in the Chippendales. If you knew who they were, we don't need to go into detail, but they're not Alvin and the Chipmunks. They're completely different. (laughs) It wasn't Chip and Dale. They were dancers, male dancers. So he's like, you have no idea who that guy is, man. I'm like, ah, it doesn't matter, man. God's like so good. And here he's talked to him again, and that guy's like overwhelmed. But when I went to go out of there and rent my car, Joey said, I need you to do me a favor. Can you come back here? And he brought me behind the desk and brought me in the back room. And we sat down. He goes, I have no cartilage in my knees. He said, could you pray for my knees? And I said, and, and it, it's like... It, I didn't get a word of knowledge. He told me, I need you to come pray for my knees. So prayed for his knees and God put brand new cartilage in and he was like overwhelmed with like tears and just amazing, right? So he's like, he's totally freaked out and I, he goes, you know, I, he goes, here's my number. He said, well, I need you to call me because like, and, and I, I gave him my number and I don't do that all the time because it's overwhelming, but I, I heard it just specific, like if there's ever a time where you're in trouble, I need you to call me. So he called me. He texted me. And this is his text. This was October 5th. He said, Todd, please say a prayer for my little boy, Nico. He's 11 months old. We just had to put him in the hospital with a double pneumonia. Thank you, my friend, Joey Colombo, Reading Budget. And then he put on there, rent a car. <laughs> so I called him. I called him immediately, and the doctors had gone, and he had spots on his lungs. The little boy, 
And Joey is just beside himself. I called him immediately, and he's crying on the phone because he just went home to make some, to get some food and stuff together to bring it back. His mom's at the hospital, and they're just not in a good place. And I'm getting ready to go in a meeting. And so I said to him, I said, man, I said, look, I said, I, I, I need to, no, actually, I was, getting, I was packing. I was getting ready to leave. I said, look, I said, we just need to pray, man. And he's like, you know, I know, man, I know, but this is my boy. I said, stop. And I really had to speak. Not in a mean way, but very pointed to snap him out of the place he was at. I won't entertain that worry thing, that fear thing. We cannot pray from a perspective of worry and fear because nothing gets accomplished there. Fear is the economy that moves hell. And sometimes, like, remember when I shared about Destiny and Zoe and how, man, I got into that twisted place for 30 seconds and, I, and Destiny had to snap me out of that. And, I, and there are people that live in that place and it's not okay. And I hear that place and I address it and I go after that. So we prayed and thank God for brand new lungs and I go and I fly and, and I get to the place I'm going to and I called him back and he's calm now. Again, he's calm, but he's like, he's still, it's his boy, you know, goes back in the hospital. They got him under a light and an ox, like ox, like one of those bubbles or whatever. Yeah, like a tent or whatever. And the mom's in there and Joey is, you know, he's, he's not in there yet. He's actually like doing some, doing some different, or he left and came out and went, whatever. He wasn't in the hospital. And I said, what's your wife's number? And he gave me his wife's number and I called her and I'd met her once. And I said, listen, I said, we're going to pray for your little boy. And she was like, okay. And she was holding it together and we started to pray and she lost it. She just lost it. She's just just wailing, you know, holding her baby, right? I don't know how that works, but she's holding her baby inside of this thing. I think they have arm things where she's holding her baby. And the baby's in there and the baby's asleep, has been out for a while. The time when you're faced with a situation isn't the time to arm up and be in God. The time that you're faced with the situation comes out of a place of you being established in him. So when the situation comes, because curves come and you don't know when they're coming. To be armed up in a place to where you start to address that thing. And we are growing in this place. I am growing in this place. Okay, because there's some stuff that comes that's just like, (gasps) you know, it's overwhelming. Let me see here. I think I have a progressive nature of this. I talked to Joey and talked to his wife and we prayed over the boy. And I said, Joey, I said, when you go into their hospital tonight, I said, you're going to lay hands on that little boy and you're going to command his lungs to be clear as the father. You're going to command the lungs to be clear. You're going to start to address these things from heaven's perspective. He's a brand new believer, Joey is. Brand new. He addresses this thing and comes after this. They went and did... Another, I think they did MRI. I think that's how they would check for that. They did another one, and all the spots are gone. Now, this is, this is hours after the boys admitted to the hospital. So this is the, this is the next text. Todd, I just, wanna, I just want you to know how much I love you. Thank you for helping me unleash the power of God's healing a miracle through my hands. It has happened all because of your devout love for God. Jesus saved my son's life. Praise the Lord. I'll never forget what you did for my family and my son, Nico. I love you. If your perspective is wrong, you won't be in the place that you need to be. 
So the perspective of the love of God encompassing your life and being your life will help you to be in another place when you pray. Okay? Because we talked about the way that seems right to a man being a war against God. We talked about the carnal mind being at war against God. And I'm going to touch something here in Matthew 16 that I had you open up to. And then we're going to talk about some stuff that keeps you from receiving the love of God. All right? Because we can't afford to have that stuff. We can't. In Matthew 16, I just read part of it and talked about like the disciples and the bread. And then in verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I am, the Son of Man am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? My mic's on, isn't it? Okay. And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The rock is the revelation that is revealed from the Father that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, not Peter. Okay. And I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. And from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and said, and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but, but of the things of man. And Jesus, does, and Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he will reward each according to his works." Now watch this. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he asks them, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say this and some say that and some say this and some say that. And he said, yeah, okay. Now here's a deeper question. Who do you say that I am? Now that a disciple spoke up, but Peter, who has foot and mouth disease, he speaks up. If Peter got it, he got it big. But if he missed it, he missed it big. And he's going to get it big right now. He's going to get a revealed word from the Father saying, this is my son. Because the only one that can reveal that Jesus is Lord is the Father. When you came into the kingdom, the only one, you might have came in a certain way, but if you really believed in your heart, the only one that can do that is God. Yes? Because no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. Yes? 
So Peter hears from God and he said, Jesus, Jesus actually honors Peter and says, wow, dude, you just heard from daddy. Way to go, Peter. You're awesome. Come on. And upon this rock, this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right? A couple sentences later, in the same context, Jesus says, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be delivered up. And Peter doesn't get along with that very well. Because Jesus is the best thing that happened to Peter. Because Jesus is thinking that Jesus, or Peter is thinking that Jesus is here to restore Israel. In the natural, take away Roman government, get all that stuff out of there. He's going he's gonna to do this thing. Right? He's going to change the way they live. Jesus didn't come to change that yet. He came in as a lamb. He's coming back as a lion, but he went out as a lamb. Yes? Okay. So now Peter is like, no, Lord. This is, he took Jesus and rebuked Jesus. Not a good move. He took Jesus and rebuked him and said, this will never happen to you, Lord. Not on my watch. I'm going to die for you. Eventually, that's what he said. Come on. Right? Second time. Remember, Peter, this same thing. I believe Peter believed he was going to die for Jesus. I believe he believed he would take it. Jesus says something really powerful. He says, get behind me, Satan. For your mind is full of the things of man. Your mind is not full of the things of God. So when we say, I'm only human, is to say, I'm only demonic. When we say, we're only human, means that I think like a man. Paul said, are you still acting like mere men? Are you still behaving as mere men? You no longer have the right to be a mere man. So when our mind is not full of the things of God, it's full of the things of man. And Jesus rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You're thinking like a man instead of being mindful of the things of God. Are you hearing me? So when you go into a town or you go into a city and you want to look for occult and you want to look for like the witches or the covens, you always look for them in the high places. You always go up the high, they always go up and take the high places. They always go up in the hills or whatever. That's where they do their covens. That's where they do their stuff. Why? Because they always want to get to the high places so they can be above you. But they can only get so high. Listen, Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is not the building. We are the church. Remember I talked about two seeds competing? The one seed's competing, like that's the, that's the seed of the enemy. That would be the way that seems right to a man. The other seed's competing to make sure that you understand that you've got the mind of Christ. So, since the highest place for the covens and the witches and whatever that they go to, what's the highest place on you? So therefore, the attack point of the enemy and the way that seems right to a man is right here in your soul. That was salsa, wasn't it? That's okay. 
Are you here? Listen, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus isn't just talking about gates of hell, like coming against the church. He's talking about us plundering the gates of hell. But Jesus was talking immediately about the way that seems right to a man being demonic. So what he's saying is the gates of hell are right between your ears. And it won't prevail against you being my bride. Because when intimacy gets established with me, you'll know who you really are. Are you with me? So the gates of hell are right between our ears. Because what we do, we, that's what we perish for. We perish for a lack of knowledge. knowledge. The renewing of the mind doesn't come by memorizing of scripture. The, the renewing of the mind comes by walking out the word and all of a sudden your mind's renewed because Satan cannot grab that thing from you because you've walked it out through a personal experience. <coughs> Go ahead. I've heard people say decades behind me, Satan, and I've never understood exactly what that means. Good. You don't have to say it because Jesus never told you to do it. Jesus never told you to rebuke the enemy and tell him to get behind you. And if you do, he never does. What did he mean there? He's talking about get behind me, Satan. Listen, this is good. He said to, G- he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're thinking like a man. When you think like a man, you're thinking like a devil. The way that seems right to a man is demonic. So when you think according to the way that seems right to a man... Its path leads to destruction. So Jesus is saying, get behind me, Satan. Your mind is thinking like a mere man and not mindful of the things of God. So Jesus rebuked the mindset that was in Peter. How do we take thoughts captive? By rebuking the devil, commanding the devil to get behind us? Right on. What's the obedience of Christ? The obedience of Christ is truth. Okay. So what happens is where there are lies that exist. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. Let's just go there because that's a good, that's just a good place to go. And we're going to get deep. We're going to get into this, Consuela, and we're going to, we're going to pound this. And that's a really good question. 2 Corinthians 10. See, a lot of times we've been taught that you rebuke the enemy and he gets behind you. But the more you focus on the enemy, the less he even, he could care less if you rebuke him. He could care less if you tell him to get behind you. He could care less if you do that. And Jesus wasn't talking to the devil. He was actually talking to Peter's mindset. Make sense? Okay, so then Jesus gives us tools because all, word, all of the word is inspired by Holy Spirit. So Jesus is giving us tools in order to root out the way that seems right to a man because it continues on what I read in, in, in Matthew 16. It says, he who desires to save his life will lose it and he who, seeks, he who loses his life for my sake will find it, right? He's telling you that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. He's talking about all that stuff. He's giving you keys, but he's talking about the way that seems right to a man. Because if you seek to save your own, your own life, that's looking out for number one. That's the world system. That's the way the world is, right? Your soul, your soul is your mind, will, and emotions as we know it to be your mind, will, and emotions. So what good is it is like if you lose your own soul? The salvation of your soul is what we're talking about. 
So our mind, will, and emotions need to be restored so that we start to think from heaven's perspective. So that we're going to do an exercise when we get near the end of class, and the prophetic voice that comes out of you is going to be so much clearer. Okay, so it's going to be easier. And the more you practice it out of the foundation that we're going to build right now and smack right now, it's just going to get clearer and clearer and clearer because you're not going to be in the way anymore. Because the only thing that stops us from being able to hear God is us. God set the same thing available. God set the same thing available for you. He said that every mountain be, I don't believe in mountains and valleys. And the only mountains that Jesus really addresses is the ones that need to be moved. New Testament, John the Baptist said, let every mountain be brought low, let every valley be brought up. We are an even playing field. Everybody's on par. So I'm not in a valley. I'm not on a mountain. I'm on a flat ground, dude, stumbling blocks being removed so that I can run the race. This is very powerful. What you don't know will kill you. If you've been taught, well, brother, you're in the valley. Wait for the mountaintop experience. Don't even sing songs that talk about valleys. Don't put that stuff in you. Well, brother, I'm in a valley. Knock it off. It's the way that seems right to you because you've been taught that way. If John said every mountain be brought low, every valley be brought up, it's probably true. Make a straight path for the Lord. Remove the stones, remove the stumbling blocks, the stuff that gets in your way. There are mindsets that need to be crushed and grafted out so you can get this thing on with God. Listen, we're talking about the wilderness. Well, brother, I'm in a wilderness. No, you're not. The only wilderness in New Testament that you're allowed to be in is the one that Jesus came out of with the Holy Spirit and power. If you're in another wilderness, you're in the wrong one. Well, what are you trying to say? I'm not in a bad place. I'm not trying to say. I'm trying to tell you that your place is your potter instead of the kingdom. I'm not telling you you're not going through stuff. Man, we all go through stuff. The stuff's not the issue. The fire's not the issue. It's what you see in the fire. Jesus isn't in the the rosy garden. He's in the fire, dude. Come on, your ducks are not in a row because Satan's manipulator of a duck. He moves the ducks around because he knows that we're so focused on what we don't have. If he keeps taking stuff away and keeps ruining things, then all of a sudden we're focused by that and that becomes our potter and Jesus isn't our Lord. Life becomes our Lord. And that's not the gospel. What's really true, you'll be destroyed by that because things don't stop coming against you. It's the stuff that comes against you the hardest that perfects love in you the deepest. You know, when I heard Dan say it, I don't know if Dan heard it from somebody else, but Dan said, if you squeeze an apple, apple juice comes out. If you squeeze an orange, orange juice comes out. If you squeeze an apple into a cup and and orange juice comes out, it'd be weird. If you squeeze a Christian, it should be equally as weird that anything but Jesus comes out. Because we're so used to being molded and pottered and conformed to the world instead of transformed by the renewing of our minds so we can approve the will of God. Sometimes an experience becomes dominant in our life and we forget where God is because we're going through hell. So our mind has to change. Our thought processes have to change. 
We've got to get that thing out of there because, man, if Jesus rebuked Peter, said, get behind me, Satan, your mind is full of the things of man, we should take heed to that thing. And when we think as a mere man, we're thinking like the devil. We're thinking according to the fallen nature is what we're doing. And it's the carnal man, it's the way that seems right to a man, and that's at war against God, so Jesus rebuked the war against God. Yes? So here's the deal. We've got, we've got 2 Corinthians 10. Listen. I think it's in Romans 8 where it talks about there being no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But what's the overwhelming epidemic that's in the body of Christ? Why? I've never known condemnation since day one. Ever. I've never experienced condemnation, never been condemned. It's just, I don't, I don't even understand or have a grid for that thing. I don't have an understanding for condemnation. Because Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn it. He came that through him the world might be sozoed. And condemnation isn't in that. There's a way that seems right to a man and it will condemn you. Jesus said, now, therefore, we like to quote the first part, but we don't like to quote the second part. It says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, which is the way that seems right to a man, but according to the spirit which is being mindful of the things of God. So condemnation comes from walking according to the carnal nature and living according to the way that seems right to a man and letting that govern you and potter you instead of the mind of Christ. Are you with me? So to say, well, you know, brother, we're always going to walk in the flesh. You might. The Bible says that you don't have to. The Bible says you can be free of it. Romans 7 is about a condemned lifestyle that's trying to walk this thing out according to the flesh. Romans 7 is even though I wanted to, I couldn't. And even though I did, I didn't. And even though, sounds confusing. Because Paul talks about being justified by faith in Romans 5 and being dead to sin, dead to it in Romans 6, crucified with Christ, buried through baptism, dead And then Romans 7, he talks about the law, the law, the law, the law, the law. No flesh could glory. No flesh could fulfill the law. That's why Jesus came. That by his spirit, you could walk out the covenant that God gave us. All the law and the prophets are summed up in two. Love the Lord your God with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. In these, every law and everything is fulfilled. Yes, Because when you love God with everything that you are, with every part of your nature, all of a sudden, your walk is completely different. Because you love God. Why would I want that? Because I can have this. And now I love myself because God lives in me. Now I can love my neighbor. Because God's in love with me. I'm in love with him. Now I can love you. And what you do can't hurt me. I will pray for you and cry out for you because it's no longer a way that seems right to a man. It's the way that is right to him. And we start to live from that perspective. 
Are you with me? I know there's questions. Let me just let me just share this. In verse four, it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. are not of the flesh, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself up against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I want to do something here. Just hold on. Hang with me because I want to look on here. I, I haven't even looked at this one, but... For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrowing and the destruction of strongholds. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings of every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the the anointed one, being in readiness to, to punish every insubordinate thought for his for of disobedience when your submission and obedience as the church are fully secured and complete. Being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. So when obedience is fulfilled and submission is given to God and surrender is given to God, what he says goes and what you think apart from what he says is demonic. And what he says goes, and it only comes through a life that's, that's yielded to God, your Lord, what you say goes, I'm going to get in that word, and I'm going to ask you to cut me deep, and I'm going to live according to righteousness. See, what we're talking about right now is coming to the understanding of right standing with God. In Matthew 6.33, it says, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then everything will be added to you. Why everything will be added to you? Because the kingdom comes fully equipped with everything that is necessary to fulfill it. So when the kingdom is sought first, it's everything. And the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness and peace, it says, have kissed. And when righteousness and, pre- and peace breed, it produces joy. So right standing with God, without understanding that you have right standing with God, you can't have peace with God. Because there's always stuff that's up for grabs in your life. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. If you have a thought that rises up against who you are in Christ and who God is in you, we don't rebuke the thought. It's not like you can do this. People have been taught to resist the enemy and he'll flee. But that's not how the enemy flees. The enemy flees out of your submission to God. The enemy's already resisted. Because when you say that you submit to God, you're submitting to the kingdom, 
You're submitting to every ordinances that every ordinance that God says is yours in the kingdom and it's unlimited. Are you with me? Is this too hard? Okay, because I'm a pretty simple guy, man. If I can't get it, like, I, I won't, I, I, I got to get it simply. It's got to come simply. The foundational principle in my life that's enabled me to walk close with God since day one is righteousness. Righteousness is right standing with God to everything that I am is in right standing with God and nothing is outside of there. So right standing with God is everything. I want you to understand something. Satan is not after you coming to this school. He's not after. He's after you receiving who you really are. He's after you understanding who you are in Christ. Because see, Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the mystery revealed. He is after you never understanding and coming to the knowledge of truth that the mystery has been revealed. He's after you ever coming to the understanding that it says, who can know the mind of the Lord? Who can know the thoughts of the Lord? But we have the spirit. Holy Spirit reveals to you the mind of God. Holy Spirit reveals to you the thoughts of God. So who can know the thoughts of the Lord? Who can know the mind of the Lord? Holy Spirit knows it. Your spirit communicates with Holy Spirit. He will reveal to you the heart of the Father when you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness because righteousness makes you right standing with God which makes you a son. This is all about sonship. When sonship is established, everything that Jesus has, the God, is, God has given Jesus everything. And He said, all that you have are mine and all that I have is yours. Now, Jesus has freely given us all things. So the same things that the Father gave Jesus, Jesus gave us. And it's all in the kingdom. But it all comes through right standing. Because when you incorporate the kingdom without right standing, you have a lopsided thing. When righteousness isn't foundational in your life, your foundation is crooked. When you start a building on a foundation that's crooked, the building only gets so high before the collapse is great. And you have to go back to the basics to realize who you are again. So if you start on who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you, and you pound this thing and never walk away from right standing with God, never have it enough. I visit it every day. It's never enough. Right standing with God is never enough. That's why this thing on sonship is so powerful. That's why the power and love conferences that we're seeing, it's only a four day, a four day program. So there's more grace on this thing right here, this school right here, because the foundational principles are going to be going over and over and over and over and over and over. And what we see in four days, you're going to get in 13 weeks. Is that how long it is? And it's going to be ridiculous. Because what we're seeing in the growth and the fruit that's being that's remaining after these power and love conferences is incredible. And if the foundational principles are righteousness, right standing with God and who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. And we don't go away from that thing the whole time we pound this thing with you. You can't get out of it. There's no way. There's no way. And then you guys will multiply and produce that same seed everywhere you go and increase this thing everywhere you go and right standing. Everybody will walk around in right standing. You cannot be ashamed of this gospel when you know who you are. Why? You're not ashamed of this gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation for them that believe. Right? First for the Jew, then for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. 
So in the gospel, the righteousness of God, and that is what makes you not ashamed. Right standing with God makes you not ashamed. Why? Because if God is for me, who cares who's against me? Say what you want. God's for me. Well, yeah, well, I don't believe. Well, that's okay. God's for me. I'm not kidding. This is powerful. We say, well, that's simple. I already know that. No, if you know that, your life will emeate the fruit of you knowing that. And you will destroy hell every day. Jesus said that this is the reason why Jesus was made manifest, guys. First John 3, 8. That's why he was made manifest. For this reason, the Son of Man was made manifest. To destroy the works of the devil. So the reason why you're a son is to destroy the works of the devil. How can we destroy the works of the devil if our mind still thinks according to the way that seems right to a man? Because Jesus rebuked Peter and said, you're thinking like the devil, Peter. So that's why we pound this identity thing, man. Because the enemy has nothing in this. He can't touch this. Come on. This is what enables you to live pure and walk pure and holy before God. Because you're right with God. Why would I want to mess this up? This is amazing. Then you won't say, yeah, but when I was little, this happened. No! Jesus says you're a brand new creation. When that sinks in here to where it gets it, to where your mind gets it, all of a sudden you won't visit that stuff again because you'll realize that the cross was a place where he didn't want to just get you to the cross to beg forgiveness. He wanted to get you to the cross to see that you were wiped out. It was wiped out and nailed to it. So that you can get to the other side of the cross to get this thing on with God to where the cross can fall on your back and you could carry it. There's no way to carry a cross if you're still thinking about who you were. I don't care if it was something that got messed up yesterday. There's no way that you could carry the cross today if you're still thinking and you're caught up in yesterday. I don't even care if it was two minutes ago when you had a thought go through your mind that wasn't God. Don't rebuke the thought. Realize who you really are. Are you with me? This is powerful. Go ahead, Consuela. I don't know that I've ever understood what exactly that means to pick up your cross daily because the way I've always understood it is actually now totally contradictory to what it means. I thought it meant... Bearing your bearing burdens, but obviously it doesn't. What does it exactly mean? I'm going to do it. We're going to nail it. We're going to, I wouldn't bring it up unless we're going to completely pound that. Because here's the deal. Jesus said, first deny your self, pick up your cross and follow him. Bearing each, other bur- uh, each other's burdens is also true. But it's really hard to bear other people's burdens when you're bearing your own because you can't forget something that happened yesterday because it keeps whispering in your voice or in your ear of who you really aren't to where you're trying to take up someone else's burdens and help them, but you can't really get over who you were and what has happened. Because there's no way to carry someone else's burdens when you're so burdened down with your own stuff. This is the body of Christ. This is the number one thing that I see the body of Christ pounded in, Consuela. So that's a really good question. So we're going to go over that. Because look at me, girl. You're absolutely incredible. And you need to see yourself like that. You are valuable in the kingdom. You are amazingly wonderfully made. You are powerful, a powerful woman of God. And sometimes these voices overwhelm us so much. And I can tell you, who here ever hears a voice of something they wish they never did? Okay, look around. Look around. 
Uh, raise your hand if you've ever heard something you wish you never did. It's a constant thing or wish you never went through. And you just can't get it out of your mind because it keeps on whispering, whispering, whispering. If we're not careful, that will determine your identity. You will be pottered and you're not denying yourself because you don't understand how you can get over yourself. Are you with me? So thank you, Consuelo. That was a great question. Todd was a drug addict, was an atheist, hurt everybody in my life. All I did was destroy lives every day of my life. All I did was that little girl that's in the back lied to her every day, every day. Daddy will never do it again. Daddy will never do it again. And I was out smoking crack again and again and again and again and again. If you ask my daughter what she can remember about who her dad was, she will tell you this. Tell him. What's the, what's the only thing you can remember of the whole drug addiction thing? So the last thing, the only thing my daughter can remember about the life that I wrecked before was the night that my, my girlfriend and my daughter followed me out into town and I lost them down the back street. That's the night I got shot at. That's the only thing that she can... Do you understand that a new creation reality is so powerful that it actually has the power to wipe it out as if it never happened? I cannot, huh? She's 15, so. No, she's, no, she's, she's 13. So it doesn't go back that far. Half of your memory, so you're just But we can all remember stuff of before we were eight years old. But what if God wiped it out completely because the truth was dominant and he really says that old things pass away, that all things really do become new and it's not just in theoretically, but it's in completely supernaturally. What if God had the complete ability to wipe out your memory from who you were? Right. But watch this. What if the whole, listen to me, what I'm talking about right now is so valuable that I revisit this every day because this can never be washed over, can never be moved past because this is the one thing that will keep you steadfast in the gospel. It's the foundational truth that will keep you steady and, and, and completely stirred in your heart every day to where the enemy won't even whisper to you anymore. Do you know since day one, after 22 years of addiction, 22 years of atheism and destroying people's lives. The enemy has never been able to whisper me and tell me who I wasn't or the things I wish that I never did ever. Well, how's that not possible? How's that possible? The gospel's real. See in Hebrews 412, it says that the word of God is alive and active. If the word of God is really alive, which it is because God's not a man that he should lie. All scripture is God-breathed, right? It's used for teaching, reproof. It's, it's, it's all inspired by God. So Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide asunder the soul from the spirit. So the first division part of the word of God, the first thing is, is that it's alive. The second thing is that it's actively working. The third thing is, is it divides your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions from your spirit. So the process of, of mind renewal looks like this. 
The Holy Spirit communicates with your spirit. See, I believe that when someone's born again, they get a brand new heart. I believe the Bible teaches that. I believe the Bible teaches that I'm not going to write on, on stone. I'm going to write on tablets of flesh. I believe that when you got a brand new heart, it's not a continual writing process. It's already been written. I believe the whole word of God is already in there. Now, the process of my renewal is Holy Spirit communicating with your spirit, illuminating your heart, bubbling up, teaching your mind how to think and your lips what to say. So I believe that my renewal is the focus and foundational thing in the kingdom, but righteousness is where it all starts from. Because with right standing with God, a whole bunch of stuff, if we believe, if we believe that in Colossians, go with Colossians with me. Ah! Dude, this is so powerful. I live in this place. Why is Todd such a freak? Because I had a lot to be forgiven of, man. So did you. We've all been equally forgiven. Only some of us have come to the understanding that we have been. Because we keep listening to the voice of a stranger that Jesus commanded us to not listen to. Jesus said, my sheep will hear and obey my voice. The strangers, they will not follow. They will not listen to a stranger. In order to listen to a stranger's voice, you'd have to hear it. In order to follow a stranger's voice, it would have to speak. It's not a voice inside that needs to get out. It's a voice outside trying to get back in to tell you who you're not. It's not a voice inside that needs deliverance. It's a voice outside trying to speak into your life to gain your identity again, to take Christ, to dethrone Christ from your soul, to take God out of your soul. Satan can't come up into heaven and thump God and kick him off the throne, but he tries to get into your soul to dethrone God from right here in you. So that you start to think like the enemy. Oh, this is so powerful, man. Righteousness is the one-touch program. It's the one-step program. Righteousness is submission to the Holy God, submission to the God that loves you profusely. Yes, stuff happens, bad stuff happened, bad stuff happened, bad stuff happened, but Jesus has come. Jesus came. He came. He did. He set me free from me. Oh, man. <laughs> this is like my favorite subject in the world. <laughs> I should say, in my world. People are like, dude, you're out of your mind. No, I'm out of yours, dude. I am completely just... I'm happy. I destroyed lives my whole life. I have a daughter sitting back there that knows her daddy loves her. Her daddy doesn't lie. Her daddy follows through on what he says. But her whole life I lied and didn't follow through on anything. Her daughter, my daughter knows that I'm a man of God. I'm a man of God at home. I'm a man of God here. I'm a man of God when I'm on the road. I'm a man of God. I'm a son of God. She's a daughter of the king. She's amazingly special. She's, she's awesome. That's who she is. Yay. Man, this is how we live. We have pounded this thing and pounded this thing and pounded this thing and my daughter can't even remember who her dad was. Do you understand that she's fruit? She's the fruit of what I'm telling you right now. 
If you messed up with your kids, do you know that your kids can, can be the fruit of what I'm saying? I messed up horribly. I'd, I'd put her to bed at night and promise I'll never do it again. Daddy knows God now, honey. Out again. Mommy, wake her up a couple hours later, two o'clock in the morning. Your dad's a blanking loser. You're blum, 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 blum. She doesn't even remember that stuff. My daughter's not a liar. One thing that she'll never do is she's not a liar. She's not. Taught her from the day that we came into the kingdom that we don't lie. Satan's the father of lies. We don't lie. She wouldn't say that unless that was true. And it was hard kind of for her a little bit because God would show me pictures of her at school and stuff when stuff went on at school and came home. Dad would have a picture of what happened and we'd share it. We'd all be in prayer and destiny. What is this? I'd see. So it was hard because God would show me stuff that was happening. But God's real, man. So having it harder, meaning like, can I share that one picture I had when you guys were bouncing the ball on the playground? Uh, they, she came home I said how was school today the one time and this is the kind of stuff that she grows up in and like man Destiny I don't know what this is but I, but I just had a picture of you guys bouncing a ball you and another girl and another girl being left out and her kind of being really sad and because of this one girl you didn't want to pay attention to this one girl and she just cried and put the covers over her head <laughs> Why? And I pulled the covers down and I told her who she really was and encouraged her, edified her, and built her up. Not to tear her down, not to beat her up, but to honor her and to pull Christ out in her life and to point out who she really is. So that's the, yeah, not what she's not. So not to, not to address the problem, talk about the problem, but to address the issue. The issue is a lack of seeing who she really is, her identity, so that she can attack that problem different next time. But that's the kind of stuff. That's how we grow. That's how we build this thing. Amen? You guys all right? Okay, I'm kind of rambling. But it's all good. It's all the same thing. Yeah, it really is. Oh, gosh. So righteousness is right standing with God, but righteousness is also the characteristics of God. So when you're in right standing with God, you also take on the very nature of God. God and you actually start to walk like Jesus walked because righteous the scepter of his throne is righteousness so you don't have to valid or you don't have to vindicate yourself you've already been vindicated you've already been cleared from all charges let's talk about clearing okay let's just go Colossians 2 did I already tell you that? Yeah. Colossians 2. Sorry. Bless you. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of the Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. 
when we bring psychology into the gospel, we integrate a psychological gospel with a supernatural gospel and we make it a yes and maybe so. Or maybe not. Or, hey, I don't know, maybe John the Baptist, maybe Jeremiah, maybe who do you say that I am? If we bring in a psychological way that seems right to a man and we approach this thing from a psychological place, we are bringing in an intellectual gospel instead of a supernatural gospel and we try to figure it out according to the way that seems right to a man and you're not meant to understand the word with your mind. The only place the mind comes into is subservience to the heart so that your heart can take you places your brain can't fit. Your heart can take you places your brain can't fit. In the garden, God said, don't eat from this tree. The day you do, you'll surely die. So Satan now is still dangling the tree of knowledge in front of the body of Christ saying, get the knowledge, get the knowledge, get the knowledge, get the knowledge. I'm not against teaching, but this needs to come to a heart application because I believe Christianity is highly theological, but without practical application, it does nothing for you except make you know more. Yes? Okay. Well, I'll just touch this because I can. Because it's my church. And I know Dan's heart on it, and I know mine. If you ever spend time trying to remove hooks in your life and things in your life that you think are from your past, well, I've got more to remove, I've got more to remove, it is an inexhaustible treasure house of resources for the devil to entertain and you will never get over you because he'll always dig up stuff that God says is finished. So if you spend time looking back, in other words, what I'm telling you right now is there is no rear view Christianity allowed in the kingdom. If you look back to try to fix stuff, What you're doing is saying the blood wasn't enough, I need something else, and there is nothing else. There are counselors out there that get you to keep relying upon them and they become your savior. But a good counselor will always lead you to the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit is always going to be your mentor because he'll never leave you nor forsake you, and you are meant to learn straight from him. When I met Dan, Dan, Dan... Was, was a man of God that I saw Christ in who pointed me to a closer relationship, intimacy with Holy Spirit and told me that righteousness is the foundational thing that I need to seek and I have quested after that and am still on a quest to understand righteousness in its fullness. He said, a good teacher, a good father will always say, listen, I'm going to take you here to this place to show you how you're going to do this. And then you need to take it upon yourself, this very mandate of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything is fixed in that place. And you need to establish a relationship with Holy Spirit and an intimacy with God that he will take you in closer and closer and closer. Your journey begins here. Your journey begins with right standing with God, the foundational principle in the gospel. If Jesus said, seek it first, he probably meant it. 
If Jesus said, seek first the kingdom, first he talks about worry. Worry, worry, worry. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about this. In Matthew 6. Then he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all that stuff you worried about will be added to you. All the things that you were consumed with, all the things that you were just crushed with, all the things that you were pressed with, it'll just be added to you to seek the kingdom and righteousness and it'll all come. See, this doesn't seem, this doesn't go along with the way that seems right to a man. As a matter of fact, there are many different people that will tell you many different ways, but Jesus is right. I want you to know this. If Jesus said, seek it first, he didn't say anything else first. He said, seek this first. So if righteousness is first, it's because our identity is up for grabs by the enemy so many times. And if the enemy could never get you to look behind you because you believe that the blood of Jesus was enough and you could get on from today and move forward. And if you trip, if you trip, if you're walking and you're going forward and you trip, you don't spend time in the trip. You turn immediately and you thank God for who you really are. You don't sit there and rebuke the enemy. You don't sit there when you're poked by him and turn around and say, I command you, get behind me, Satan. He could care less. He, he entertains that. He'll wait till you're quiet and pound you. Go ahead. Uh, so can you define righteousness a little bit more? Is it just yeah. right standing in God? Yeah. What I would tell you to do is, is actually here. What I would tell you to do is get an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, my plan's his plan. Okay. Here's what it means. I have, I have uh, on my phone, there's an application called the Strong's. Okay, so it's a Strong's Concordance. And what I like about it is that I can go in the Word of God and it'll come up the Word of God and it'll have all kinds of things underlined in there. And instead of looking it up in the book, which might seem lazy, but actually I think it's great because when I'm at a pulpit, it, sometimes I don't have time to say, come, someone go get me a Strong's. It says, it's from, it's from 1342, so it tells me another reference point. But it's, Daikahosane is the Greek translation of it. And it's, it's, it's 1343 in the Strong's. It says, the equity, and parentheses, of the character or act, says, specially Christian justification. Right standing. So the word justification means just as if I never missed it. So if I've been justified, therefore having peace with God, been justified with God, Romans 5, says that I have, I, God has looked at me just as if I never missed it. And if I walk and I trip, and I trip, and I miss it, as soon as I confess to God, not beg Him to forgive me, but admit that I missed it, not even in my words, but in my heart, God immediately cleans me from that completely, never to remember it again. I love you guys.
And it comes from another word, and that word is, I think it's Dekayas. I think that's what it is. It's 1342. It says, the equitable, equitable in character or act by implication, being innocent, being holy, being absolutely or relatively just to meet standards and to be completely righteous. Completely. 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 Now watch. Well, here, that, that, this is good. This is powerful. So you can look it up, man. I would, I would tell you, like, if a word doesn't, if you don't get word and say, look, I need to understand a definition, look it up and say, God, make this real to me. Because we take the King James, we take that, and there's only one word that describes that one word, but there's a whole lot of Greek words that describe that one word, right? That was bigger. The Greek translation would have been like buku humongous big or the hebrew translation but they had to bring it down in so they did the best they can but sometimes we go on a word search to understand and righteousness is one of those big beefy words that we want to know what it means peace is another word that is a big beefy word that we want to know justification is another big big amazing look you guys okay with this if i do this it really helps us honestly besides i got the mic And I want us to know, man. (laughs) The word justification means an equitable deed by implication, a statute or decision made, a judgment, justification, an ordinance, righteousness so it, it's the same thing to be justified equity was in both of them as a banking term and an asset yeah the treasure house of resources is behind justification the treasure house of resources the whole banking system of heaven is 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 upon righteousness and justification. Right standing with God is everything. Why? Because the enemy wants to. The enemy wants you to think like him. He wants you to think that's too easy. There has to be something else. There's no way. Well, then, if that's true, then why am I still thinking this stuff? Because you're listening to the voice of a lie. Because Satan is trying to. Look, how can you reign as a king in this life? How? Why? Grace. 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 Why? Romans 5.17 says that just through death, death reigned through one, that the free gift of righteousness would reign right now through you as a king, through the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Because the abundance of grace, the supernatural abundance and violently excessive amount of grace reigns through righteousness in which you'll reign as a king in this world. What does that mean to reign as a king? When you see a king, you see a crown. You're a royal priesthood. How can we be a royal priesthood? A holy generation set apart if we're still thinking according to who we were. You can't. That's why the kingdom's an upside down world. We think that we have to do something to achieve it. We think we have to by works do something to receive it. No, it's a free gift. Just say, okay, thanks, dad. And it's almost too, it's too easy. That's why, because we're not trained by this system. That's why people in Africa, they don't have anything. When this thing breaks loose in them, they're like, yay! Why? Because they didn't never know anything. They knew stuff, but nothing but destruction. And we've been trained in destruction. They've just gone through it. 
We've been cultivated by it. They've just gone through it. So now we've got our mind that's trying to like fix stuff and it can't. It's always thinking and never learning. Always hearing, but never understanding. That's why your heart can take you places. That's why the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, God, is imperative. Paul prayed that prayer in Ephesians for a reason, that the eyes of our heart will be open. Come on. This is where it all is, guys. This is the bread and butter, the meat of the gospel. Dan, I tell you, I'm not kidding. Man. You'll hear it again and again and again. It'll never stop. It says this. It says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus as the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in faith. And you have been taught abounding in it, violently excessive with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anybody cheat you or sell you short with philosophy or empty deceit according to the tradition of men. According to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So that Jesus lives in you. It says that he publicly disarmed. It says this. Oh my gosh. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sin of the flesh of the, by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in, in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, flesh, he has made alive together with him having forgiven all of your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that were against you, that was contrary to you. He has taken it out of the way, nailed it to the cross, having disarmed the principalities and powers, making a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So Jesus shamed publicly the principalities. Everything was nailed upon him. Everything. He ha-ha'd at the devil. Every bit was wiped out. So now Satan's number one job is to make you think that that's not enough, that you need something else. And there are different organizations that are set up to try to take out things that still remain when it's all in the, it is finished of the cross. When it is finished, it's finished. The blood of Jesus is enough. It says that he is able, listen, we talked, did I read, did I read Hebrews 9 the other day? Did we go into Hebrews 9 at all? I, I said 6, 7, and 8, okay. When Hebrews 9, let's just go there. Man, I'm going to run over a little bit today. Are you okay? If you guys get done before I do, I understand. Hebrews 9, listen with me. No, Destiny, you're not included in that. She doesn't get out of here because I'm your ride. You stay up here. (laughs) 
I'm just going to set this thing and share with you the high priest of the old covenant and what they did because the high priest of the old covenant would go in once a year behind the veil, behind into the holiest of holies. They would go in with a, with a rope tied around their ankle with bells around the bottom of their robe. If the bell stopped ringing, they drug the high priest out because he didn't do it right. Something was wrong. But the high priest went in there to atone for sins to cover over Israel for one year to atone for sins committed in ignorance. So he atoned for sins, but the conscience of the high priest was still violated. Even the high priest, it says, it was not able, it says it was not able to clear the conscience. I would tell you that today's reading assignment would be very important for you to read Hebrews 9 and 10. It says this in verse 9. It says, It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. But when Christ came as the high priest, verse 11 of Hebrews 9, of the good things to come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of his creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Eternally redeemed means that forever God has satisfied his decision about who I really am. A thousand years from now, he's not going to change his mind and say, I made a mistake with him. I'm eternally redeemed from the second that I say I do. He says I am. So from the very second that I say I do, he says I am. Why? Because I am his. Because I am a son. Because I'm completely right standing with God. Because I'm unaccusable. Because my conscience has been clean and And because my conscience has been clean, I can walk holy before him and not mess this thing up because it's too good to be true. Because my daddy loves me. Because all of a sudden, my conscience isn't violated by who I used to be. That the cross is the measuring stick that God used to reveal his love to us. And that we were yet a sinner. God revealed his love to us. That Jesus came and died for us while we were yet sinners. So now, he didn't call us to be sinners. He called us to be sons. Right? Dean, I love you. It says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without a spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works in order to serve the living God? So the attack point of the enemy is your conscience. He wants to violate your mind, will, and emotions. He wants to violate your thought processes. He wants, to, to, he wants you to think that you're separated from God. And if he can just get you to whisper, if he can just whisper your past to you and get you to bite that thing, you'll never get to who you're created to be because you're created to be a son. How can you be a son if God still has handwriting against you? He doesn't. We just don't believe the word. If the handwriting against us has been wiped out and we realize it's the enemy that's been whispering to us. If a voice comes to you and it's not edifying you, building you up and and moving you closer to God, it is never God. So why would we listen to that voice? In 1 John, I think it's 1, 7, it says that God is faithful and just when we confess that we missed it, not beg him to forgive us, but confess that we missed it. He's faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. 
And if he cleanses you from all unrighteousness, the only thing that remains is righteousness, which means God sees you for righteousness, which means he sees you just as if you never sinned, which means God sees you as if you're in the garden and never ate the tree. And if God sees you as if you've never eaten the tree, Satan has nothing on you. And even more than that, we get to a place where the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in us. So we can walk in holiness because we're in right standing with God. And it's not something that I have to do. It's something that I get to do. It's not something that I need to do, but grace empowers me to walk out what truth calls me to. Are you with me? This is, a, this is like powerful. Sometimes we overlook this stuff and we think, well, you know, yeah, but what about this? And what about this? No, you get this right here. You get this right here and pound this and allow this thing to set you free. Then a voice comes and says, yeah, but, yeah, but you don't know what I've been through. My response is you obviously don't understand what he went through to get you set free from what you went through so that you never have to go back and visit what you went through because you realize that God knew what you went through, made a line in the sand, stopped it and said, okay, now you step on this side. You're a brand new creation. Never go back again. And the enemy says, come on, I'm back here. And you say, Father, I thank you so much for who I really am. And the enemy says, yeah, but remember this? And you don't respond and turn around and rebuke him. You just stand in submission because submitting to God is resisting the enemy. Where you don't have to turn around and rebuke the enemy. He's behind you. You don't have to say, get behind me, Satan. He's already there. And then God says who you are. And he speaks to you through, your word, through his word. Yeah, I know that's what God's word says, but the devil keeps saying. Eh. Big bad lie. So the enemy pokes you, and instead of re rebuking him and commanding him to get behind you, you just stand in who you really are. And he says to you, yeah, but remember when you did this? And your, your exact thing is, Father, I thank you that you've cleansed me of all unrighteousness, God, that you just removed it all. Daddy, you're, I thank you. You're amazing. See, the enemy's job is to get you self-focused, self-centered. He's trying to get you introspective to see if you can look inside to see what still remains. Never, ever, 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 ever look inside to see what you need to fix. Always trust and give permission to Holy Spirit to cut you deep and drive a sword deep in you to root out the trash. Say, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to shine a spotlight in my heart and take out the trash because I'm yours, Daddy. So if Satan kept poking you and you didn't respond and he kept poking you and he didn't respond, every time he touches you, he takes a risk. If he's so used to touching people and them responding like hell, then all he wants to do, he doesn't have to poke us very hard to get us to respond that way. Boop. He knows where your buttons are. What if he pushed every button and you were buttonless? What if we played the ignore game on him like we did when we were in school? I didn't hear anything. Did you hear anything? No, I didn't hear anything. Why do we entertain him and listen to him? What if you just knew who you were? What if every time he poked you, you found out what God says about that poke? And it wasn't just a Christian confession, but you took that truth and held that stuff captive. Because that truth kills the lie and there's nothing on you. Amen? All right. I want you to do this. Just when you put your hands on your heart. Say this, Lord God, Lord 
I thank you. I'm forgiven. Nothing remains. I'm completely clean. We are whole. Our mind is being renewed. We're blood washed. We're blood bought. We're standing in the garden as if we've never eaten the tree. Satan has nothing on us. He has nothing in us. You wiped out the handwriting of requirements on Calvary. The blood has set me free. I am a son. I'm a daughter of the king. My life has been bought. I am yours. I submit to you. What you say goes. Nothing else matters. What you say goes. Nothing else matters. What you say goes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We're going to pray for a little girl in just a minute, but I want to, but I want to do this again real quick. If you guys can, can you give me five more minutes? Okay. I want you guys to, to, um, uh, this, the people with the longest hair, uh, or, uh, you know how we split it up before? I want to split up again. Do you remember the last group that I had against the wall? Go against the wall real quick. We're going to do this one more time. Consuelo has a little girl that she goes and visits in the hospital. And her name is Brooklyn. And she wanted to just, she wanted to just say something. So listen up real quick before you go. Okay, um, I called Brooklyn yesterday. Her dad said she looks the best today, or yesterday, than she looks today. I will let what's your name? Sue. Well, I will tell you the preciousness of her. I'll let Sue share that in a minute. Um, Brooklyn loves Jesus. This girl, I was looking at her artwork, and it's all about Jesus and God and his love. And um, she told her dad on Tuesday that she does not that she believes the cancer is gone. I forgot to tell you guys that they were saying the cancer was back. She says, Daddy, I really feel like it's gone. And her dad said that she knew when she had it. She knew before that she had it before the doctors even told her. She can feel it. She says that she believes it's gone. She's itching constantly. We were there. She just itches and itches and she scratches herself. She bleeds very easily. And I said, well, baby, you bleed. And she said, Daddy, I didn't mean to do it. So she's like feeling kind of condemned because if she scratches, she bleeds. So she's got that. And we commanded that to go. We did. We prayed like four times. And we had to leave with the itching still being there. And it broke my heart. And um, the lady I was with said, did you feel something in that room before we left? And I said, I actually didn't. She said she felt a really heavy presence in the room. No, a bad presence. She felt it. The dad's got a witch on the wall and a skeleton. They're all decorated for Halloween in a room. And they're a Christian family. I don't know if that means anything. But anyway, um, when she grows up. She wants to play the guitar and be a country gospel singer and go around and sing to sick kids in hospitals. She she loves visitors. She doesn't get many during the week. She begs us to stay and visit. She really wants people to come and visit and watch her color. So guys, please, if you can, 
go visit. You will be so blessed to go visit this precious girl. Yep. And if anybody can go today, I have something that has to get to her today. Or if you can't go and you can come and watch my kids, I'll go. But somebody, I really need somebody to go down there for a delivery, please. Thank okay. you. And I will let you tell them for precious. One kids. second. I want to share something with you. Just stop something before it gets bigger. When you go to a hospital, if you feel a heavy presence in that room, that means that you're not really there. This is very important. I don't believe that Jesus could go into a place and that heavy presence could remain when Jesus left. So you have the power to release the peace that's in you in that hospital room that it cannot be there. Do not be aware of witches on a wall or skeletons on a wall. Be aware of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Realize that every place the sole of your your foot has given you, it's His. So one person in Christ is the majority, regardless if the parents are Christian or not. It means nothing. Go to the room. Release the presence in the kingdom of God. The darkness has to go. It's not a who turned up the darkness it's who turned down the light Amen. be very careful and make sure that that stays in us no matter when you walk in that room God I thank you that your presence is with me before I go in here and I thank you that after I leave it remains thank you Jesus make sure you stay in that place do not focus on presence of darkness do not feel the thick cloud of darkness you focus on the presence of God and the dominating Christ that's in you destroying hell around you every day don't go into a hospital room and let that thing even whisper in your ear that's right okay I'm not telling you that it's not real because the presence of darkness is real, but the presence of light is, oh, the much greater. And you are ushers of the kingdom that brings the kingdom on the scene. Don't forget that everywhere you go. Okay? So when I were down Monday? Yeah. The only thing I would add to that is that we went, and just because of what we had done in this class, that everybody prayed, and then we took communion, and we, you know, we broke the bread, and we remembered Brooklyn, and we lifted her up. We were able to share that with the Father, you know, that that's what we've done the whole class. And, and, and because of this class and just everything, it's like I pray for a lot of people, but sometimes when you see somebody in the condition that Brooke is in, it will rock you. I mean, because, you know, the blood is just beet red and the, the, the skin. But because, you know, I looked at her, it's like, she's so precious. and like, God is so much bigger and so much greater than this. So, I, you know, I attribute that. And then to hear Todd talk about that, when I laugh, I was like encouraged. Even though, you know, I didn't see anything happen. It was just like, yes, yes, yes. And then when Todd talked about the seed, it just like solidified it. It's like, yes. And, and I just think as we keep going and praying and pounding or whatever, you know, and, and we're going to see it happen. You know, it's been, no, it's just, I, have, she said I have a picture yeah. if anybody wants to see who you're praying for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You will be blessed. You will be so blessed. Okay. I mean, Maybe. please don't walk in and go, <gasps> when you see her, because you could, because, you know, it, it takes you back. But she's beautiful.